Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. How many of you guys, listen, all right, truth, truth moment here. How many of you love people? Okay, all right. Somebody who really loves people, we got one woo. Couple of hands with confused faces, like, yeah. How many of you sometimes struggle with relationships? That was more of you, just say. All right, so that is gonna, that's good, that's good, because that's what we're gonna get into today. We're gonna be talking, this whole, this whole Jesus follower thing. Last week we started a, a brand new series called About That Life, and the life that we wanna be about is the life of a Jesus follower. And we want to know what that means. It's not enough in our culture to say I'm a Christian because people have a thousand definitions of what that means. They have positive experiences, right? They have negative experiences. And so sometimes we tend to visualize or define things based on our experiences. And when it comes to following Jesus, there's no more important foundation that needs to exist in our life in the essence of truth than knowing what it means to truly follow after Jesus and have a relationship with God, amen? And so we're gonna get into that today. I wanna read, you know, actually for my guys in the back, I'm only gonna read the Mark chapter two verse. So let's make, make a note of that and go to the book of Mark chapter two. This is in the kind of in the front of the New Testament, not in the front of your Bible, that's way back, that's Genesis. But we're gonna go into the, the front of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are the four gospels. So this is the second book of the New Testament. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can open it up to that as well. We always tell people it's free, so download it, use it, get the Bible right here. You know, it's, it's a little bit hard for me to carry this bad boy everywhere I go. It takes up space, even though I love to sometimes have it on my phone. So we got the YouVersion Bible app, but we're going to Mark chapter 2. And I'm going to read just a couple of verses here to kind of get a little introduction Kind of paint the picture if that's okay. Uh, we're going to start in verse 13, and we're going to read 13, 14, and 15. Three verses. Hopefully that's going to be enough for you this morning. Okay, so it says in verse 13, Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. Verse 14. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his IRS tax collector's booth. I'm just trying to, was that a boo? Okay, talking to the right people this morning, okay. And he says, follow me and be my disciple. So Levi got up and he followed him. Check this out, I love this. This, uh, this, this last verse right here, or last portion of it, it says, later, Levi invited his, uh, Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guest, have a little dinner party, a little after party for Jesus. And it says, along with many tax collectors and, I love this phrase, disreputable sinners. Now it's literally in the Bible in parentheses right here, it literally says this, there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. I don't know why, but that makes me feel good. 
there were many people of this kind, disreputable sinners, apparently IRS agents, who were among Jesus's followers. It's good to know that you're in good company, amen? And let me pray for you real quick. I wanna pray for God to just open up our hearts and minds to hear from him today. Father, we love you so much. God, it continues to blow our mind that for whatever reason you've chosen, even in the depths of our imperfection and sin, to love us, that you have chosen to reveal yourself to the world, that instead of dishing out judgment and punishment, Father, you go after us with love and with grace. So today, Father, we pray in the moments that we have together that you would just visit us, Father. Be here in this place. We know you're already here, but I pray that that any obstacles that might exist in our heart or in our mind that would keep us from hearing from you today, we pray, Lord, that those things would literally bow in your presence and be removed, Father, so that we can just be able to hear and receive what you're speaking to us today in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. 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 So again, we're in this new series about that life. We're not just trying to assume that we know what it means to follow Jesus. We're not looking at to the example of, of man to be the example of what it means to follow Jesus. It would be great if we could do that. But we're imperfect people, you and I, who are trying to figure out what it means, what it looks like, and for some of us, if it's even real or not. And so that's what, one of the things I'm excited about this particular series because whether you find yourself as a faithful Jesus follower, whether you consider yourself to be a skeptic, or maybe you're just not sure, but you're seeking. You're trying to figure out if this whole Jesus thing is real. You're trying to figure out if this whole church thing is even worth it. Um, this series, I believe, is going to speak to every single one of us because our goal is to set the foundation for not what we think it means to be a Jesus follower, but for what the Word of God says about it and how Jesus lived his life and the life that he is desiring us to live as well. God doesn't want a religion. Some of y'all can finish that sentence. He wants a relationship with you. Religion of any form, doesn't matter what name you put in front of it, is man's best attempts to get to God or to be God or to have some type of enlightenment in your own life. But the unfortunate reality is, is that anything that we do on our own is going to be short and imperfect. Religion is... Do your best, make it up as you go, figure it out along the way, and hope everything works out for you, for you in, the, in the end. But you, there's no confidence, there's no assurance of what's going to happen. That's the beauty of God is that he doesn't want you to figure it out. He's actually gone ahead of you. God has actually made a way where there was no way. God has actually gone ahead of you and prepared and removed the barriers and the limitations that would even keep us from having a relationship with God. And he did that through his son, Jesus Christ, who came, who left his throne in heaven, Philippians chapter two says this, and made, made himself as a slave, as a human being, and lived a perfect sinless life, not just because he was Jesus. I mean, how was he perfect? He was Jesus. No, it's, it wasn't just that. Because the Bible also says that Jesus was tempted in every single way that we are tempted in humanity, yet he did not sin. So he was actually showing us through his own life what it means to live the life of a Jesus follower. And he went to the cross and he paid the, the ultimate punishment for the sins of all humanity 
not because we deserved it or because he deserved it, but because God loved us so much that the mission of Christ was to remove the barrier of sin between God and between us. That's not religion. That's a relationship. And that's what we're talking about here. If you remember last week, and if you weren't here last week, that's okay. We, we send everybody, just go back to the podcast, whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, or on our website, and listen to the message from last week. But last week we laid out that uh, being a Jesus follower is all about relationship. It starts there. It's all about relationship. And not just any relationships, because you have to start with the right foundation. And the, the, the first relationship that you absolutely must have to be a Jesus follower is a relationship with God, which doesn't really sound like rocket science in church, does it, right? They're like, oh, shocking, they're talking about having a relationship with God. But it has to start with that. Sometimes we think, well, you know, I can just be a good person, have, you know, be a good person to other friends and, and try to be kind and try to help old ladies across the street and, and, and try not to lie, cheat, steal, and murder, and, and, uh, and, and that's a good relationship. You know, that's like being like Jesus, right? Jesus did that stuff. Yeah, but all of that has to come from that first relationship, which is a relationship with God. You can go back, you can check that out on last week's, I don't want to re-preach last week's message. But one part I do want to emphasize, though, is that I've done this in my own life. We, we tend to think of uh, a relationship with God based on the things that I do. Because, you know, how do you define who you are? Well, I read my Bible, I pray, I give, I go to church, I'm trying to be a good person. Like, those are things that we do. Or by things that we know. Like, I know I've read through the Bible a bunch of times. I've taken classes. I went to Bible college. I know these things. I know theology. I know doctrine. And, and sometimes we think those are the two elements. What we do and what we know defines who we are as a Jesus follower. But that's just not the case. Because I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in an amazing relationship with my wife just because of the things I do and the things I know. I'm in a relationship with her because I desire to be with her. And that is the foundation and the root of that relationship. And you know what? That's what God wants. He doesn't want you to have a relationship with you only in knowledge. He doesn't want to have a relationship with you only in deed. He wants to simply be with you. And if you remember from last week, the key word that we, that we said for that relationship with God is to remain. Just to remain. You know that you can remain in the presence of God in relationship with Jesus still in an imperfect state. Some people are like, man, I got to get, I don't know, man, I got to get my stuff together first. I got I to gotta stop sinning first. I got um, to stop dropping those bombs in my vocabulary first. I got I to gotta, I gotta clean. You know, we got all of our things, right? We got our laundry list. But that's what religion does. Religion says once you do and once you know, then you can be. But what God says, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you think you know. I just want to be with you. And here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. Y'all like my Yankees hat, by the way? Y'all like that? I was crying. I told my wife, I got so much hate on Instagram. It was so, I thought I had friends. And all my friends are listening to this, you know, with friends like that who needs enemies. But haters going to hate. Anyway, so why was I on that? I was just got totally, what was that? Oh, my gosh. Security. Yeah, where's security at? playing Herm. I love you. East Coast, West Coast, we're all family. It's good. I have no idea where I was. I got so distracted. Life of a Jesus follower, relationship with God. It's not about what you do or what you know. It's about being. Okay, we're back. Okay, we're back. 
So listen to this, though. It doesn't stop with the relationship with God. Because that would be easy, right? Because then you don't have to deal with people. You're like, I'm good. I got a relationship with God. I'm not going to hell. Let's see what else. That's pretty much all I need. I don't need people. I don't need the mess. I don't need the drama. You can save it for your mama. I've got what I need. But it doesn't stop there because Jesus didn't just show up on earth to show us how to live the life of a Jesus follower and seclude himself in the woods with the Father. He spent a lot of his time, the vast majority of his time, with people. That's why I asked earlier, how many of y'all love people? You're like, well, a couple of them. And my mama, you know. A healthy relationship with God will always place you in a missional relationship with other people. Every single time. So last week was following Jesus is about that relationship with God. This is what we're focusing on today. Following Jesus is about that relationship with one another. I didn't think I'd get an amen on that, but no sympathy amens. Come on now. (laughs) Following Jesus is about that relationship with one another. Let me give you a verse here. Now we'll take this all the way back to the beginning. Genesis, the first book of the Bible, chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 7 and verse 18 because I want you to get this context. It says, then the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Verse 18, if you skip ahead, it says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So let's kind of, let's recap creation real quick. This would be the fastest recap ever. Day one, God made light, and he said, it is good. Day two, God made the sky and said, it is good. Day three, land, water, plants, and trees, and he said, it is good. Day four, the sun, the moon, the stars, and he said, it is good. Day five, God made the birds and the fish, and he said, it is good. Day six, God made all the animals and said, he said, it is good. But after God made man, he said, it is not good. Was he saying Adam wasn't good? No, that wasn't the point he was making. But he said, it is not good. So what was not good? Didn't Adam have A relationship with God, I mean, mean, let's just be real, not just a relationship with God, but a perfect relationship with God. He was in the perfect environment, but still it is not good for man to be alone. When God created Adam, he never intended a relationship of isolation. What his intent was, was for our personal relationship with him to be enjoyed in the context of an interpersonal relationship with each other listening, y'all taking notes, y'all are thinking about this, you're not sure about this. Your relationship with God is supposed to be personal, but it was never meant to be private. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people in the context of not wanting to be connected in community for whatever reason, and they're like, well, you know, you know, for me, pastor, it's, I really have a private relationship with God. But I can't find anywhere in scripture from beginning to end to where that's what God desired. It can be personal, and there may be private elements of a personal relationship, but the overall relationship is supposed to be incredibly public. I'll keep talking about my wife just because there's such an automatic imagery picture of the the two different types of relationships. It's interesting that even, even the body of Christ, the church in the Bible is referred to as the bride of Christ. There are 
my, my relationship with my wife is very personal and there are private elements to our relationship, but I want the whole world to know that that's my wife. Especially the men. Y'all being, I will make sure you know. So check this out. Listen to this. this is, somebody might get up and walk out for this statement. When it comes to a relationship with God, God is not enough. Let that sink. Let that sink in. Because here's the, re, here's the deal. If an isolated relationship with God was all that we needed, then God never would have made Eve. It is not good for man to be alone. Adam wasn't alone. What you talking about? Not only did Adam have relationship with God, he had God, he had somebody, but he also had a relationship with God in the garden of stinking Eden where there was no sin yet. There was a perfect, literally, it was utopia. There was the perfect existence, the perfect creation. Humanity only uses what, like 10, 15, whatever percent of our brain. I'm thinking to myself, Adam was probably at that 100% mark. I don't think God made Adam in perfection before sin showed up and was like 20%. Which, you know, you can have fun with that. Like, man, what can you do with 100% of your brain? Ooh, I wonder. I'm glad we can't now because I don't think we can handle it. And I have a feeling at the moment that sin entered the picture, there was a significant diminishing of what was possible in our own potential because we no longer were perfect and now we had to figure out a way to return back to God's original intent. So check this out. Adam literally, if you can think about it this way, he literally had heaven in his reality. Zero limitation between his relationship and communication with God, face to face. Yet, it was still not enough. Now, check this out. We have to understand that it's not just even the relationship with Adam and Eve, and we're not talking about marriage in this context. We're talking about the fact that life was meant to be lived in the context of relationship with other people. And it didn't stop with Adam and Eve because you can see from Genesis 1 all throughout Scripture that God's desire is relationships to multiply. There is multiplication. Okay, we're not just talking about having babies here, but we're also talking about the fact that what God is doing is doing inside of us in the context of relationship is meant to be multiplied through us to impact more relationships around us. So the more that we isolate and the more that we pull back and the more that we recluse and the more that we limit what God is trying to do around us, we are actually beginning to shut off, cut off, and limit what God could do through your life. So let me, let me throw this a little bit deeper. So that means that there will be limited purpose. There will be limited connection. There will be limited destiny. And if it's even possible you're limiting God in your own life. Because I, I don't know, it's just, it's too hard. Now, I know we're about to, we're stepping on some nerves here because we live in a world that is, man, filled with broken relationships, filled with abuse, filled with people being mis, uh, mistreated, abused, taken advantage of, 
filled with people being stabbed in the back, filled with, even in the church world, just imperfect situations. Some people are like, man, I don't do church because it's filled with hypocrites and I've been hurt. I've had bad experiences, I've been mistreated. In church, people are supposed to be taking care of me, got people talking about me behind my back. Like, yeah, I get that, that's real. That's true. But the, really the only difference between the world and the church is it's still the same people, right? We're still, we're still the same people. The only difference between the two is that for the most part, those who would desire to be in this type of environment are hopefully engaged in leaning into a process of asking the Lord for help to figure out, God, where am I missing it? What do you have for me? How can I grow? How can I not continue to do the things that have been done in my family from generation to generation to generation? The church was never meant to be a sanctuary for the perfect. It was meant to be a hospital for the broken. One thing I love about that context, if you were to put it in the kingdom of God sense, is that, listen, in the kingdom of God's hospital, you don't leave the same way that you came in. And so, listen, the church isn't supposed to be a place where you walk in and we got some greeters out there that are throwing pixie dust on people, the, you know, the perfection pixie dust. Say that 10 times real fast. And then you walk in and all of a sudden, even though you had a crappy week, even though you had a fight on the way to church, even though you want to strangle your kids, even though your job ain't working out the way that you wanted it to work out, even though you had a deal that just fell through, and you're supposed to come into church and put on that face and say, praise the Lord, brother, hallelujah, I'm doing great, I'm blessed. But all you want to do is pick up a chair and throw it at somebody. Please don't. Just saying, you can have real feelings, though. No, God is desiring to do something in this environment where he's taken what has been broken and through relationship with God, that foundation, we're able to build something with inside of us that is healthy and begins to impact one another in a healthy way. So let's connect, so again, I'm gonna take this a little bit deeper and connect this in the context of the church. All this connects to what the church is supposed to be as Jesus followers. The church is crucial and it's vital to the life of a Jesus follower because literally this is the platform that, that was established by God so that we could live our relationships with him in fellowship with one another. Now, if you remember from last week, we talked about how, you know, for me, I grew up, I was like, I just want to live for God. I want to live for Jesus. I want to do it all for Jesus. I want to do it for him. But last week we established that reality that God is not looking for you to do anything for him. He doesn't need you to do anything for him. He wants you with a relationship with him to allow the way that Jesus already does live to work through you. That takes so much pressure off because when you're living for him, it becomes about what you do again and it become, becomes about what you know because I, I can't be for Jesus if I don't know how I'm supposed to be for Jesus and I can't and be for Jesus if I don't know what to do for Jesus. No, we have to go back to the reality that the Jesus following life is about allowing the life of Jesus that he already started to continue through his Holy Spirit in you and through you in the world around you. The world does not need to see more religious institutions. The world does not need to see more churches that are going to continue to heap the weight and the pressure 
of religiosity on the backs of people. What the world needs is more churches who are going to bring a life-giving presence into their city whose message will be Jesus, whose passion will be people, whose stance will be love, and who will be able to do the things, not that we are creating to do, but do the things that we were created to do. Because what Jesus already started is the thing that he wants to continue through our life. Is this okay? This is too informational this morning. Where are we at? All right, I want to take this back real quick, and this we're kind of bring things to a conclusion right here. Um, so we're, we're, we've been from the Gospels, we've been back to Genesis, and now we're going back to the book of Acts where, where the church really first started, where the very first Jesus followers uh, began to live the life of a Jesus follower. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll be the first one to say they may have had a little bit of an advantage because in the flesh just recently they were walking with Jesus. So they got to kind of see, all right, not only do we, do we, in theory, think we know how Jesus lived, we got to see it with our own eyes. So they maybe had a little bit of an advantage. But nonetheless, it, they give us another snapshot of what it truly means to live the life of a Jesus follower in the context of relationships. Now check this out. In chapter 2 of the book of Acts, this is when the church was very, very first started. And it says that in verse 41, those who believed what Peter, uh, one of the disciples, what he said, were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. That was a busy day. Verse 46 says they worshiped together. This was the fruit of what happened when the church came together. They worshiped together in the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and sharing their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Lots of relationship happening right here. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I love this. Now check this out. Those who had embraced Christ realized that their relationship with God, come on, that first tier, that foundation, entered them into literally added, meaning it joined to, to be joined together with, it entered them into relationship with a community. Your relationship with God is not a pure relationship with God when it ends with only a relationship with God. Your relationship with God will begin to flourish and grow when you realize that God is trying to bring you into community and a family with other people around you. Now, in a world where I know where people struggle with fear, where people struggle with anxiety, where we live in a world where probably more than we care to admit have been, have suffered abuse and neglect and mistreatment even by the people that are supposed to be most trusted, this isn't just a concept that we throw out and hope that you would just kind of look past everything else, take it and run with it. We know that there is a work that God has to do in many of you to bring healing to, to, so that you can even believe that these type of relationships are possible. And let me tell you something, it is possible. We already have people that are even, even in this room who could testify to the grace and the power of God doing healing in their work based on the brokenness that they've experienced before. We have people in this church who have no business even feeling comfortable in an environment like this, but, but they are because of the work that God has done in their life. And so my heart and my prayer today, church, is that as we continue to, to move forward and as we continue to grow and as we continue as a church to make space for more people that you are inviting and that we're reaching and that God is bringing into Convo Church, that we would also be working on the brokenness within us by submitting that to the Lord, saying, God, I trust you with my life, and God, I, I trust you that you're going to open me up to the right relationships. 
people that, people that I can trust, people who can begin to trust me, people that, who are going to love me and minister to me, and people that by your power, God, I get to love, and you're gonna use me to minister to them in the exact same way. It's all about connect. Last word, the key word, or last week, the key word was remain. Remain in God. That's how you have that relationship with God. But when it comes to having that relationship with one another, it's all about connecting and being willing to put yourself out there. Now, there's different relationships. Next week, we're going to go into the next step of talking about uh, the life of a Jesus follower as it connects to our relationship with the world around us. But right now, we're talking about relationships with one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, within the church community, within the body of Christ. And that's where we're at today. But John uh, 15, 12, we were in John 15 last week talking about this. Jesus gives this command in verse 12. And uh, here, here's the cool thing. Sometimes we think, well, Jesus came in, there's no more commandments, so he kind of did away with all that. And that's not true. He just fulfilled the law, and he gave us new commandments that fulfill everything else. And this is what he said. He says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. The, the law that you and I now, because of Christ, live under, you're like, I don't live under law, I live under grace. Well, yeah, but grace is the new law. The new law is the law of love. That's the law in which we live under. If there's a box that needs to be checked when it comes to our relationship with God, it is probably this box. Am I loving God? Am I allowing God to love me? And then the next level, am I loving people? And am I allowing people to love me? This is a commandment, guys. This isn't the holy, let me re, just double check. Yeah, a commandment. It's not a holy suggestion. It's not like the stop signs that have the white line around the edges. I always try to tell my parents, I thought that meant that you could kind of roll through it. Apparently all stop signs have that. Anyway, no, this is my commandment. Love each other in the way that I have loved you. The first obvious evidence I'm walking in relationship with Jesus is my love for my brother and my sister in Christ. That's the first evidence. Like, how do I, all right, I know I prayed a prayer and I know I said yes to Jesus and I know I invited God into my life, but how do I know that I'm really saved? Well, one evidence, one of the first tangible evidences is that you will see, not overnight, it doesn't, it's not, it's not magical, it doesn't just automatically, everything's perfect, but you will begin to see people differently. You can't help it. And actually, sometimes when you first start seeing people differently because of the spirit of God that's inside of you, it will actually at first create conflict with your flesh because there will be something inside of you that says, man, I should wanna have all these thoughts about that person right there. But for some reason, I kind of don't. Like I kind of almost feel like there's something inside of me for them that's, that's like, like I almost love them. And then your flesh is like, the heck you do. <laughs> And you have this battle and it takes time to continue to surrender to the Lord as God begins to do a new work inside of you. See, that's the beauty of our salvation is that we're not 100% body, soul, and spirit automatically transformed. When we are saved from the inside, God begins a process of saving us all the way to the outside. My soul, my spirit is saved the moment that I say yes to Jesus in faith, but I still have a mind I still have thoughts, I still have emotions that on a daily basis I have to give those things to the Lord. Because if I don't, then I'll continue to be the same person that I used to be. 
Yes, my eternal destiny may be different. Maybe I have security. Maybe I'm going to heaven. I don't have to worry about any of that. But God doesn't want to just save you for eternity. He wants to save you and call you for the life that you're living right now. And we have to understand that the people that God has allowed around us, and yes, come on, I know this is hard, even the hard ones, even the relationships that have caused us damage, did you know that Jesus can use that and turn it all around? I mean, come on, Jesus had one of his own, 12, completely stab him in the back. Judas went to the religious folk and he said, hey, I know where he's gonna be. I'm kind of ticked off. I'm kind of done with this Jesus thing. Uh, Y'all are looking to kill him. What you want me to do? And I was one of his disciples that he handpicked. Now this is Jesus we're talking about. He knew what was going on. Yet he still allowed him to walk by his side. Some people would even argue that in the Last Supper, the way that they would set up, the way that they would sit, Judas was actually the one who, who took care of the money for the disciples. That in the layout of where the disciples sat in the proximity of Jesus, many people would argue that because of the position that, that Judas had with the disciples, that he was sitting at the right hand, the very right side. He was close. But Jesus, he was able to use it. He was able to make things happen. So we're like, well, I know where Judas is. I don't know. I don't know where Judas is. And you know what? That's not really my problem. Because the reality is, I think one day when we do get to heaven, there's gonna, we're gonna be surprised. I think we'll be surprised with who we see and maybe we'll be surprised with who we don't see. I don't know. But the reality is this, is that Jesus has endured the worst of every relationship that you could ever possibly imagine. He's been through everything that we've ever been through and that's how he can become the savior for all humanity because he's endured the things that you and I have endured and even then some. So we can trust him when he comes to us and he says, hey, I want, you to, I want you to look past the reality of the things that you're seeing in front of you. And I want you to trust me with what I'm trying to do through you. Will you today, will you allow yourself in relationship with God to be about that life where you're letting God work inside of you and the relationships that we have with one another now check this out. Here, I, I don't know if this is going to help anybody or not, but I was thinking about like, all right, well, how do we make this tangible? How do we, how do we, uh, you know, for people that really do need to deal with the brokenness of, of, of people to people relationships. So this is what I wrote this down. Hopefully, I don't know if this will help. Maybe it will. How do we grow past the wounds we've experienced, we've experienced, so that we can lean into Christ-centered relationships with each other in the church? Remember, we're talking about that that one another, brother and sister in Christ relationship. So here was the first one. Realize Jesus has experienced everything that you have and more and went to the cross and forgave all. Here's the next one. Begin to forgive those who hurt you. The next one, ask God to help you see people the way that he sees them. Next one, keep forgiving those who have hurt you. Don't judge future relationships based on past experiences. Keep forgiving those who hurt you. You kind of know this, forgiveness is a theme more than one time, right? Don't live as a victim of past hurt. And here's an important step too. Sometimes we focus so much on those who have hurt us, we forget the fact that we've, we've hurt other people. Seek out forgiveness for those that you have possibly hurt as well. 
Come on, church. The life of a Jesus follower is meant to allow the life of Jesus to continue through us. And nothing will transform the world more than the church beginning to live our relationships with the people around us through the lens of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be a good person to the people who do you wrong because you're earning relationship with God. God, will, God has empowered you to allow his life to flow through you so that you can love those relationships and those people. And in the process, God's gonna begin to do a work inside of you that you could never imagine. Come on, our world needs more light. Our world needs more love. And the world around us does not need us to self-define love any further. Because we've done that and we're screwing it up and we're hurting more people. Because we've made love about what it is for us instead of realizing not what love is, but who love is. And when we realize who love is, it sets the, the foundation yet again for us to live the life that God has called us to live in the world around us. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.